Hi, I'm JD. This is ChimeraCast, a production of the Chimera Collective. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcatcher. We also have merch available and just launched our Patreon. For backing, you'll gain access to our Discord and the ability to vote on upcoming Seasides. You can also get an RSS feed for an unabridged table-side version of the podcast, which includes all our banter, rules discussions, and session debriefs. We'll also have game readings and occasional exclusive Seasides in that feed. Links to the details and our social media are in the show notes. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm playing Melio Moretti, the Bard. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm playing Urazidi, the Spellblade. Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm playing Lug, the Barbarian. I'm JD. I'm your Dungeon Master for this game. This is ChimeraCast, a Dungeon World actual play podcast. The three of you had entered the Cyclopolis and fought your way through, and you've come to this open-air structure. So it's up some stairs, and once you're up them, you are on a platform that has columns all the way around the outside. So there's no roof, just columns. On each column is a chained skeleton hanging partway up, arms outstretched. Some of them are mere pieces, a hanging arm, broken chains. But at one point, you can tell these all had people strung up on them. There is a sort of platform on which there are skeletons whipping themselves, flogging themselves, some of them literally broken into pieces. There is an arm there that is just resting on the ground, attempting to slap itself with a whip, but there's no skeletal body for it to hit anymore. There are a few cages distributed across this platform. And at the center of it is a table on which is outstretched a rat creature that has been strapped down to the table. It is screaming in pain. Its chest is opened up. And you can see that some of its organs have been removed and are sitting next to it on the table. Behind that rattling from where you're at, there is a dwarven skeleton dabbling with some instruments on a table. This table has various tools of nefarious and painful purpose, as well as a few flasks full of liquid. The dwarf skeleton turns, holding some forceps and a kind of cutting spoon, it looks like. And it seems to notice the three of you standing there. And while it is a dwarven skeleton, and that's easy to tell, it does have a black shroud over its head. And on its left arm is a gauntlet with these long blades coming off of it. As it sees you, it turns back and sets the instruments down, turns back to face you, and it leaps over this table, over the rat, and comes running at you. I don't remember who was in the lead when you guys came up to this. I think it was Lug. Does that sound right, Nathan? Yeah, yeah. That's what I remember. And a reminder, there are still skeletons coming up the road behind the three of you. As this skeletal form jumps over, it lashes out at you with this gauntlet. What do you do? Try and decide if I want to allow the skeleton to hit me. Because the like, Lug's whole thing is like, I can feel now. 
And I'm trying to think if that's like part of this, but I don't know. That's also very stupid. Yeah. You're going to let him put his Freddy Krueger fingers in you? <laughs> yeah. It's also just kind of silly. Yeah, I'm thinking about this too hard. I'm going to try to sidestep and like toss the skeleton to the ground as it lunges toward me. Mm. and then just step on its head and crush it is my plan. Sure. <laughs> give me a... Just give me a hack and slash, I think. That seems yeah. to follow the most. The barbarian's cool because at the very least you have to think, like, how can I push my appetites in this? And, you know, I'm not doing that right now, but I did have to at least entertain the idea. That's a 10. 10, hell yeah. Go ahead and roll your damage. I will put myself in a spot. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck, what weapon do I have? Using the big club. Oh, I can't put myself in a spot. That's only a nine. I still have minus one ongoing with the uh, studded club. Still eight damage, though. Eight damage. As you strike this skeleton with the studded club, you see what had looked like maybe just wear patterns on the bones. Across every inch of this dwarven skeleton, there is Cyclopean script carved into the bones. And you break a couple of its ribs across, and it stumbles off to the side, but not without catching you with this gauntlet. Go ahead and roll best of 2d8 plus 4. <laughs> okay, so that's 9 damage total. I assume, does armor apply here? Armor does apply, yes. It's 8 damage. So this gauntlet streaks across you, and it rips across your ribs, exposing the muscle and sinew underneath as it cuts across. It rips off a chunk of Kimmon's body's flesh. Not that Lug cares. And the skeleton stumbles off to the side, right? What are the two of you doing? These skeletons are coming up the stairs after you. There's four of them coming up upon the three of you. They're the standard skeletons that you've been used to fighting pretty much this whole time. Helmets, shotels. Ryan, do you want to take the guy or do you want to take the group? I'll take the group because I feel like I might be a little more well-equipped to handle a group than you. So, Ruzidi, you're heading down the stairs to confront them? Or are you just waiting? What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, man. I think I'm going to try to turn invisible, right? Or, or like summon up some blade magic so that I can spend a hold to become invisible, right? Sure. And maybe ambush these skeletons. Go ahead and roll your sword magic. That's an eight. So I get two hold, okay. and I'm immediately going to spend one of them to turn invisible. Cool. So it dawned on me while I was editing session one that we haven't been doing sword magic correctly. Yes. So you read out the last like part of sword magic, which is what we had been basically leaving off from the move the whole time. Yeah. When you spend hold for this move, describe how your sword play or spellcasting makes it happen, and the GM will ask or tell you who takes advantage of the opening you make. Yeah, so to me, right, that reads that you're always making openings whenever you're using sword magic. It's a little ambiguous whether it's a negative or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it could be like every time you spend it is a seven through nine. Which kind of makes sense, you know, because if you get a ten, you get three hold. And then, like, you're exchanging a consistency of seven through nines versus the potential for a failure. Isn't it like some of the stuff is damage based versus some of the stuff is fictional? Yeah. And I feel like the fictional ones are explicitly there to help yourself and others versus the damage ones are definitely the ones where, you know, I'm casting a magic to attack you. It's like they're probably taking advantage of the time you're spending to do this. Right. That's where the stakes can come in for that. I don't think it necessarily means, you know, like it's a thing to just like fictionally talk about. Yeah. So in this case, my idea for this is that you go invisible 
And the skeletons were maybe approaching cautiously because you were turning to face them. But then when you go invisible, they're skeletons. They're not very smart. And so I think they're going to assume that you're gone. And so they're going to just run up the stairs now and like try to aggressively get in this fight, which means they're going to try to run basically past you unless you do something. Does that all track fictionally what makes sense for an opening being created there? Yes. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah. Actually, let's let them do that. And I want to see what Melio is doing. And then we'll come back to you. I'm going to handle it all kind of more at once. So Melio. Yeah. You've chosen to try and stick and fight alongside Lug, right? Yeah, totally. I see my compatriot, Kimmin, get slashed by this mitt. I would like to attempt to disarm this skeleton in the quite literal. I would like to take the arm with the glove off. How are you doing that? I have these axes. <laughs> are you trying to do damage or are you trying to just chop this? I don't think I'm trying to do damage. I think I'm trying to part what I assume is the major damage dealing, right? This giant scary fucking blade glove. If I can disarm them, then we can take advantage and probably end this pretty quickly. Yeah, in that case, give me a defied danger plus strength, probably still. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, we got a four on deck here, folks. We got a we got a solid four. You go in, and I think you pull your axe down into its like elbow joint, right? With the idea being that you're gonna like separate that. Because it's held together with magic, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe you can pry that apart somehow and disrupt that field using your axes. But as you jam through it, the axe kind of like slides through faster than you expected. Like the bones kind of pull apart and just kind of let it pass through at the joint and then slam back together. This has happened to Melio, I think, three times now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that it's a fun callback that they have a consistent defense here where it's like sometimes you can like crack the bones and they just kind of come to pieces and sometimes they kind of spaghetti apart. Anyways, what's the worst thing that's happening to me besides looking like a damn fool? I think it is able to just continue this motion, and it's going to shove these blades into you. I don't know. Well, this is, this is horrible. <laughs> Go ahead and roll a best of 2d8 plus 4. I'll take 8 there. <laughs> you rolled a 4. I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you Can't didn't, roll you, a 9. Yeah, you didn't <laughs> roll max. <laughs> uh, so 8 there puts me at 6. Oof. <laughs> So these four blades cut into you, and I think just like right under your rib cage, trying to reach up, almost trying to get up into your heart. It's no good. And it yanks these blades out, right? And much in the same way that it cut Kimmin's body apart and ripped flesh off, this likewise, right, pulls away your skin, kind of exposing your abdomen. And as you are catching your breath, the skeleton is going to reach out its right hand, so the one that does not have the gauntlet on it, and touches your chest. I don't want that to happen. I would like to swat the touchy away. I don't like that. <laughs> the gauntlet, it's just, it has the painful tag, so it hurts like a lot. So we'll get there in a second. Cool. These skeletons are trying to run past you, Uruzidi. What do you do? Yeah, I'm going to use the Lorica Vortex and my glaive to create basically a big invisible spinning. Oh, what's the thing called in the sink? A garbage disposal. That's what I'm trying to make. So yeah, I'm basically just trying to like use the reach of my glaive and the blades of the Lorica Vortex. I like this. I don't think it makes sense to have you roll hack and slash here. You have the advantage because you're invisible. Likewise, it doesn't sound like you're spending this to automatically succeed, so you're not spending the other hold you have, right? Correct. You're trying to keep everybody away. That's sort of a defend, but the way that you're doing it, it doesn't read that way. So give me a defy danger, maybe plus dex to like keep your mobility up, right? And, and move in between all of these to affect the skeletons. 
That's a 12. Fuck yeah. Roll your damage. Uh, that's 10 damage. 10. That's including the plus three from the vertex, right? Yeah, I rolled the six. I have plus one from Talon and plus three from the vortex. Cool. So you're going to destroy one of these in the swirl of blades in your glaive. You definitely damage another one. But what you've done is definitely drawn them in, I think, which is like kind of your primary purpose, right? And so they're now focused on this invisible swirling blades of death. Uh, uh, re-death. Swirling blades of destruction <laughs> that they can't see, right? And they're, they're trying to, they're going to try to fight you or whatever this magic is as best as they can. Tight. Lug. Your companion is in pain and this dwarf is reached out to touch his chest right above where it had ripped into him. You were also feeling the pain, but maybe that's a positive thing for you. What do you do? Lug stumbles backward a, a bit, his eyes watering, and he like throws his chest forward and arches his back, just reveling in the sensorial nature of this for a moment, experiencing mortality for a while, or corporeality, and looks up, and it will obviously be to my disadvantage if, if Songman dies. <laughs> so I took off all of Kimmon's clothes, but I left, like... Kimmon's hair is all tied together with the coins and shards of soul glass. Bombadilla still hangs around my neck. And also the other thing hanging around my neck is a big-ass tooth from Ig-Hogoth, the boar god. I would like to throw this like a throwing star. I'm like, this is a thing around my neck and it is sharp. And I would like to sever the hand of this. Yeah. So I would remind that all weapons I have have the forceful and messy tags. Every weapon I use has forceful and messy. Yeah, I'm fine with you doing this. I'm just trying. It's not a volley to me. I think I'm just going to have you defy danger plus dex. That's cool. Yeah. It's an eight. Eight. You hurl this tooth, and as it hits the dwarven skeleton's arm, it shatters and releases a burst of spiritual energy and just blows everybody away. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody gets blasted off. The dwarf goes flying in one direction. Emilio, if I'm reading this right, you're just blown off the platform over the head of (laughs) Urizidi. Great. And Lug, you are blasted off to the side and I think smash against one of the columns. Um, no one's taking any damage. It's just kind of everybody's knocked on their ass and a little dazed. Does this poor rat go flying too, like off the table or no? Is it strapped down? This rat is strapped to okay. the table. It's not going anywhere. Hey, JD, can I make a suggestion? Sure. The uh, There's perhaps some cracks in like the structure that we're surrounded by. Oh, sure. I enjoy that. Yeah, the, some of the columns like crack. The floor is like carved with a bunch of grooves in it. And so those like everything cracks across that as well. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, like nothing's falling down yet. But. Right, right. Yeah, it's definitely an ancient structure. So I think that totally follows. And then the spiritual energy just dissipates. Gone forever. Lost to the void. Uruzidi, one of these skeletons gets destroyed as it like runs straight into you, not realizing that you're there and just gets dashed to pieces against the spinning blades of the vortex. And then Melio goes sailing over your head and smashes into the ground past you back down the stairs, right? So everybody's kind of separated from each other a little bit. But you're still engaged with these three skeletons who are trying to attack you. What do you do? Did you say that one of them was also damaged a little bit by my like barrage? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm just going to go for that one and try to slash out with Talon up hip to shoulder kind of motion. As my, like, whirling comes to an end, just try to take this thing in half. Are you using your last hold? 
No, I'm saving that last hold for a pinch. Okay, give me a hack and slash then. Uh, that's a seven. Yeah, go ahead and roll your damage. You still have the plus three from the vortex, right? You haven't converted that back to armor yet? No, no. Uh, that's 14 damage. Jesus. Roll the 10. No, sorry, 15. Yeah, you're going to destroy this next skeleton outright. Probably damage the next one coming up. They are going to get some hits on you just kind of by flailing their showtells about. 1d8 plus 1 damage. It would be plus 2, but I'm not going to give the other skeleton just because they're not coordinatedly attacking you. They're just striking the air where they think you might be. Ooh, 9 points of damage. Oh, no. It gets a good slash in, obviously. You know, it's probably the one kind of coming up behind you. You're not really paying as close of attention. You're assuming that you're staying safe because of the blades or whatever, but it gets a lucky strike in and cuts down across your back. Lug, you're probably going to be the first one back to your feet out of this group since you were the furthest away from the explosion. You smash into one of these columns. You are next to a skeleton that is just like whipping itself with a flogger. What do you do as you come to? Melio is nowhere to be seen. Where's the skeleton of the dwarf? The dwarven skeleton like blew over by its table on the other side of the rat again. And further down is Urizidi. Urizidi's on the stairs is how I'm picturing this. Yeah. But I'm still on the platform. Melio got blown off the platform. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. He was closer to the explosion. Lug slowly gets to his feet, licking at his mouth, the blood coming out of it. Where'd you go? Skinless man. I'm not some paper skin artist or strapped to a bed. Get up! Fight! The dwarven skeleton stands up on the other side of the table. You know, the clawed gauntlet, like, reaches up first and gets on the table and it pulls itself up. You hear a couple of, like, coming from underneath its hood. And yeah, as it gets to its feet, I'm gonna run at the table this rat is on. And so is this table built into the floor? Yeah. Unless you wanted to do a thing with it, in which case, no. Okay, (laughs) I wanted to push the table. I wanted to push, like, a concrete table onto this dwarf and crush it run up and like shoulder it and just push the rat and all right yeah give me a defy danger plus strength i think you don't have ben bars lift gates right i do not so if if you want to say that like yeah this is outside the purview of that's fine too but no 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 no. it's i mean it's definitely not still a barbarian but i think it's gonna take some effort on your part for sure oh absolutely 14 yeah so you're trying to turn this over like on to the actual skeleton itself right That's my plan. I was thinking, and perhaps we could have set this up a little better. I was thinking that the explosion had maybe set this pedestal off base a little bit, and I'd just push it over. I like that. Yes, you smash into it. I think it crushes down on the legs of this dwarven skeleton, and the innards of the rat just spill out of it all across the ground, kind of filling in some of these grooves that are like carved into the floor of this, these ornate carvings. Okay, I think the camera's off me. I'm going to eat parts of this rat when it comes back to me, but that's fine. (laughs) Good. Great. Melio, you're going to come to, you know, waking up essentially on the ground. Have you no idea how you suddenly got there? Oh, good. I got knocked unconscious and I'm trying to recoup. Is anything around me? There are two skeletons fighting nothing on the stairs. So no one's around me. I have no healing potions. I'm going to try and gather myself because my innards are trying to become my outards, <laughs> and I'm going to start making my way up the stairs towards these skeletons that seem to be frantically attacking nothing. Sure. I mean, you can keep rolling. Are you just going to barrel into them and attack them, or what? 
I think I'm fucking like out of it. I got stabbed really hard, gutted basically from the inside. The tip of the thing almost touched my heart. So I'm probably in a pretty mortal space. I got knocked unconscious and I'm coming to, I'm like, battle mode. So I'm probably like, (laughs) got like my arm across my chest and I'm carrying one of the axes and I'm just going to try and like smash one of these skeletons heads in with my axe. All right, so Emilio, you're cruising up these stairs and going to attack one of these skeletons, right? Bash its head in, yeah, with this axe. Yeah, just give me a hack and slash. Let's do it. Great, that's a five. (laughs) I am fucked up, all right? We knew this was my fate. (laughs) You come up into this battle, but unfortunately for you, you also can't see Uruzidi. Oh, no. Wait, no, he rolls like 15. No, I don't want him. Not that. Not anything but that. He's not intentionally attacking you or whatever. I think you're getting caught by one of these blades. I'm just going to have you roll 1d3 damage because the Lorico Vertex does three extra damage. Okay, cool. It's not anything major. It's not really the important part of this. Sweet. I rolled a one. Cool. Armor still applies. So you weren't really going to take anything. But I think what happens, right, is you get bashed aside by one of these spinning blades that is invisible that you can't see as Uruzidi is fighting. So you're not going to actually be able to fight these skeletons to help Uruzidi out like you were planning to. Yeah. Yeah, and it obviously catches you off. You're like trying to reorient yourself. You come up, you get hit again by something that you can't see. Having, I think, only seen him use the Lorica Vertex once before since he just got it. And it just catches you off guard, right? No, absolutely. I'm fucked. And I'm having a bad day. Uruzidi, your friend just kind of came up to help you and you can see yourself, obviously. And you see one of your spinning blades of the Vertex hit across him and he goes stumbling backwards you're not really sure what you've done but you're still engaged with these two skeletons what do you do well one of them is probably now turning to face melio in fact take advantage of the fact that he was stumbled backwards yeah urazidi is tired of being the inadvertent cause of harm to his companions and so i'm gonna chill with the lorica vortex but this skeleton that's going after melio Urzi levels Talon and this bolt of onyx-colored energy snaps out into this skeleton. I'm just going to spend my last hold to deal damage to this skeleton. Yeah, go ahead and roll your damage then. That's four damage. That doesn't have any piercing or anything on it, right? It's just you deal your damage? No, I just do my damage. Yeah, okay. So it smashes against it, and at least I think it's going to give Melio the moment he needs to get himself back together. And you were pulling the Lorico Vertex back in, right, at the same time, deactivating it, as it were? Yeah, yeah, so that I'd have some armor. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Taking advantage of the opening, though, is as you turn to try and blast this skeleton with your magic, the other one behind you is going to lash out at you, striking with its blade. What do you do? As I level Talon and shoot, when I kind of catch it out of the this other skeleton out of the corner of my eye, kind of turn and try to block with Talon. Cool. Just going for a defend here? Yeah, pretty much. Staying in defense of myself. Right. Yeah. Do it. That's a nine. Cool. So one hold. I'm going to have the effects, right? Perfect. So it's a 1d8 plus one. So I rolled a one, so two, so I take one, but I have three armor, so... Totally, so nothing happens. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so it's Showtel kind of bounces off of you ineffectively. Melio, the skeleton is coming at you that was struck from behind by this black bolt of magical energy, but it buys you enough time to get your bearings again. What do you do? Here's the issue for Melio. Ain't got a lot of options. I'm gutted. I'm pretty torn up. 
And I don't feel personally, I'm going to take that pain tag that you had on those gloves pretty seriously. I don't think I can get my bow out and attempt to stretch a breast. Yeah, thinking about that is awful, actually. Yeah, I think that would just fuck me up. I'm in a little bit of a backed in a corner mode, but I think I am going to let go of the the bleeding wound and pick up the other axe, and I'm just going to rush at this thing like a fucking angry badger and try and just cut it down with a hurl of both of these axes. Excellent. Give me a hack and slash. All right, that's a nine, Woo. baby. Ruzidi, are you going to aid Emilio in fighting the skeleton? Oh, yeah. Ruzidi just blocked this blow, and I think he's going to like take a step back and sweep out, try to make the skeleton like not deal damage to it, but like knock it off balance with Talon's butt. I just blocked with one end of my glaive, and I'm sort of spinning using that momentum to help Emilio. Cool. I like it. Roll your aid. Seven. So this is going to pump you up, Melio, to a ten. Roll your damage. Would you like to put yourself in a spot? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take a four. Because I know I would have rolled a five. if I uh, Did you roll a four? That's plus two, right? Oh, right. I rolled a four. That's a six damage. And two piercing because you're using both axes. Yes. They're designed to be used. Yes, indeed. You destroy the skeleton. You can describe it. I hack it to bits. I sink it in the shoulder. I think I was just like flailing wildly. And then I just start chopping it down like an angry person gardening their shrub. <laughs> like I'm just like, gah, gah, gah. hack in and then pull out to the side as like its collarbone just breaks off. And then, you know, we get the diagonal cross across the head as it just slices the skull in twain. I love it. Look. You've knocked this table over, pinning at least momentarily this dwarven skeleton underneath the table. So this table goes spilling over onto this dwarf skeleton, and the skeleton's kind of scrambling for a moment, trying to push the table off of itself, and Lug slowly walks around and picks up one of these rat organs, pops it in his mouth. You hear, like, a popping sound, like eating a grape. Is this, like, scrambling to push this table off? I want to grab its unarmed hand and try to rip that arm off, and, uh, I want- well, I want to eat its fingers- is what I want to do. I don't want anything out of this. I just want to know what they taste like. <laughs> okay. Well, I think you got to rip the arm off first. Give me a defy danger plus strength, I think, because you're trying to sever the magic of this arm, right? That's like keeping it together, which is not easy. Correct. So this is in service toward trying to get a mortal pleasure. Are we getting there? Eating bones? Well, kind of, <laughs> yeah. If I'm reaching too much, I can just hit it with something. No, well, obviously, it's more interesting. That's fine. I mean, it's a weird interpretation of mortal pleasures, but I don't mind it. I mean, wanting to eat stuff and taste things and, yeah. Wanting to taste things, I think that... I mean, it's like taste the blood of my enemies, only it's not a metaphor in Pythia. Yeah, uh, fuck it. You can just have it. I don't care. Okay. I don't know. This is what I'm trying to do. If this is too... Am I going to... No, I I don't care. I think it's great. (laughs) It's perfect. Not going too far, but is it like, is this too, is this, is this stupid? No, it's just, a, yeah, I think it's always a negotiation of figuring out what that means, but if this is what mortal pleasure just means to you, then yeah, take it, is really the answer. I think the thing is, is he eats the rat and thinks about it and is like, what does skinless human taste like? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, hell yeah. That is a 17. There you go. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, wait. Is that a D10 you roll or a D8? Oh shit, that's why. Okay, I was like, that is possible, but 
I was like, oh, it's a D10. I was like, totally, because of my fucking damage. I was just being dumb. I'll just roll a D8. <laughs> I can't wait for you to roll along with this D8. That's fine. I did. Ha! That's an eight. Okay. <laughs> the D6 is higher. So that's a double complication. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you wrap your hand around this arm and start to pry it free. And while you do so, the skeleton takes its thumb blade, which is shorter than the other longer blades of the fingers, and slices across you. Then you rip its arm free, and I guess begin chomping on it. Yeah. What does ancient dwarven skeleton taste like? I mean, old and chalky. I was hoping for marrow, right? And the marrow is long since dried up. It's a bit disappointing. <laughs> Go into fight danger plus constitution for me. This obviously isn't in pursuit of my mortal pleasure, but is a direct result of my mortal pleasure. Uh, no, it's not. Cool. I, I was like, I don't really know how that's supposed to work. That's, you know. I would probably have uh, let that happen, but it's not really. Th- I mean, it, it's the result of, but not, this isn't because of eating the fingers. Oh, okay. Seven. You begin to feel your right arm going numb. You're losing feeling in it. That's it for now. Melio and Uruzidi, you guys are back on the stairs. There's one skeleton remaining. What do the two of you do? So Melio's all fucked up, right? Melio's pretty fucked up. You're visible again, should be noted. Yeah. So Melio, you can also see your friend. Uruzidi steps in front in between Melio and this last skeleton. Leveling Talon, waiting for it to make the first move. Yeah, go ahead and roll a defend then. It's a seven, so I get one hold. Yeah, it's lunging at you. What do you do? Yeah, I'm going to deal like uh, my damage to it. So as it like lunges, I'm, I'm extending Talon and like meeting it halfway. Hell yeah. So that's six points of damage. Yeah, in order to do this, though, you have to wait and take the blow. Yeah. So that's going to be a 1d8 plus one. So that's five damage total. The armor applies. Three, so I'm down to ten. But yeah, you are going to destroy this skeleton, taking advantage of letting it strike you, basically. Urzidi turns to look at Melio. Are you still alive back there? Only just barely. The fucker got his fingers in me. Spit up a bunch of blood. Urzidi catches himself about to ask, like, what the fuck does that mean? Because I don't think Urzidi's gotten, like, a good look at the guy. Wait here, somebody has to go make sure... Kimmin is okay. I ain't waiting for shit. Let's go. I start making my way up the stairs. Do you stumble a little bit and... Yeah. Slipping in your own blood. Yeah, as the two of you come back up the stairs onto this platform, you see Kimmin's body. You see Lug there drooling a chalky substance out of the right side of its mouth. And Lug, the left side of your body is screaming in agony, but you can't feel the right side of your body at all anymore. Your taste disgusts me, sorcerer. What have you done? Uh, you hear grunting from underneath the shroud. <laughs> as it continues to try to push this table back off of itself. You've set these weak nerves aflame. <laughs> and I thank you. But, and I try to like lift my right arm up and it doesn't quite happen. You seem to want to take from me too. Ah, companions. I've been ensorcelled. As you see, I'm holding the skeleton's arm in my hand, bone chips coming out of my mouth as I attempt to talk. I couldn't swallow all of them before my paralysis began to set in. What in the hell do you mean you've been ensorcelled? I lose feeling in this side. 
I clap him around the back of his head so we look face to face, and I try and look and see if something is strange about this side in his face. The pupil is dilated, but other than that, there's nothing particularly obvious going on in the eyes. Anything on the that whole side at all? I don't know if a DR makes sense. We'll say that his veins underneath are slightly discolored. Underneath his skin are slightly discolored? Yeah. The source of it seems to be coming from the wound that he took. Yes. A small wound in his side is where the discoloration is the worst. We waste time. The skinless one moves. Or is it he deal with it? And I, I dob my hand on my own blood, and then I dob that hand in the ink, and then I'm just going to jam my fingers in where the wound has taken place on you. You're going for arcane art, I assume, here, yeah? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, go ahead and roll it. God damn it, Zach. <laughs> hey, it's a seven. Hey, oh, is it? it? Yeah, dude, I got plus three on my oh, okay. arcane art, motherfucker. Seven through nine, my spell still works, but I draw unwanted attention, or my magic reverberates to others. I have two moves I would like to make. Heal 1d8, and I would also like to shake his mind free of an enchantment. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is like poison, but it's magical poison, so that's fine. That makes sense. Go ahead and roll the 1d8 for healing. You want to do it? Yeah, I want to do it. That's me laying on my hands, brother. Four. Four. Is it plus, is it plus, it's plus something, isn't it? Didn't you take, you took... Oh, right. Yeah, I do have that. Oh, it's another 1d8. Jesus. <laughs> Four. Plus six, that's ten. God damn, I'm at full health again. So yeah, your veins were discolored. This ink is just sinking up. Like Your veins just go like stark against the color of your skin. Like You look crazy as your veins are lit up with this ink that's just flown through them to the point where like the little reds on the outside of your eyes are just like lit up, colored, and hued with black ink. But then I drop to my knees and vomit up a bunch of ink and poison. Whatever. Yeah, whatever that poison was. Ink, poison, bone, and rat stuff. Yeah, it's bone. It's not in pieces anymore. You spit out a hand that goes crawling back towards the dwarven skeleton. Is it a fleshed hand? Yeah, it's a fleshed hand again. Veins start coming out the bottom of it and like wrapping itself around the skeleton. Yeah, the bone that you had pulled off and it that all uses those arteries to pull itself back onto yep. the dwarven skeleton's body. Wrapping those arteries around and connecting it back together. Yeah. And I guess it starts pumping blood that just starts dripping over the bones. Uh-huh. Which doesn't make any sense, but it's magical healing. How much HP did you regain? Ten. There we go. <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> so this dwarven skeleton, now with a fleshy right hand and arteries and a few tendons growing back up to reattach it on that side uses its hand now to push this table fully off of itself. The extra effort of the other hand now being able to free itself. Ruzidi, I believe that you were approaching as all of this was happening, right? Because Melia was doing his magic. So you'd be the first one kind of there. What do you do? This dwarf gets back up to its feet. While I was walking up, calling on my sword magic again. Sure, let's do it. That's an 11, so three hold. Yeah, very good. I mean, you're going to be the first one there to take advantage of this, so what do you do? Yeah, here's my pitch. I have taken advantage away or given advantage to an ally. It's got this fleshy hand, right? And my magic, other than in combat, deals quite a bit with uh, like timey-wimey type stuff. I want to give it internal organs back, right? Like continue to regrow these arteries to take away its advantage of being undead. Give it things that are soft bits that we can hit. This seems so cool, JD, because it goes so south so quickly. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's like rolling a seven through nine on something, right? Like my intention is like, oh, hey, now it has a heart in the middle of its rib cage and like kidneys and stuff, but it's still a skeleton, but it's like slowly regrowing. But now it's got like bits we can hit. Yeah, you're essentially speeding up this like regeneration process, which I think is interesting because it is both an advantage and a disadvantage that you're giving it, which I think is cool. Yeah, you spend the hold, and I think it continues to grow tendons up, and these arteries come out, right? And muscle begins to form, coming out of this fleshy hand, covering up the skeleton underneath. This will continue for a little bit. Are you going to let it take its course so that it gets to organs? It's like going to be a little bit before it really starts building up the chest area, you know? Mm. But for the record, it seems like it starts with internal things and moves outward. So Urzidi is waiting for when he sees the heart grow. Then I'm going to use one of my other hold to deal damage directly to that heart. Yeah, that's cool. That's going to take some time, though. And if that's the case, it's going to lash out at you with its gauntlet, since you're the closest one. What do you do? I think Urzidi just tries to, like, hurl himself backwards, right? It's still a dwarf. Basically just, like, trying to keep out of his reach. He's got, what, like, long daggers on the ends of his fingers. He still doesn't have, like, reach. Defy danger plus dex for me. Okay. That's a 10. It goes to swipe at you, right? And you just leap back away from it. I mean, it still has to reach over the table and everything, too, to try and get to you. So it just isn't able to do so. Melio, you have seen your magic kind of wildly go out of control a little bit and accidentally refleshinate a dwarf skeleton. And Lug, you just vomited out a bunch of poison and a hand. What did the two of you do? I'm going to die, dude, if I do anything. Because you're all fucked up. And, like, I, got, I, pro- I probably got to... I would say that you don't have to try to kill it. There is a ritual that we've sort of started mm-hmm. that you could maybe try to piece together. Oh, the blood ritual. I know that we're really bad at this. You could take a look around. <laughs> Hang on. I'm kind of fucked up and things ain't going so great. And I think now that I've watched my compatriot barf up a hand, I'm getting a little suspicious of what's going on here. <laughs> I'm starting to look around at where we're at. I need to come to some conclusions because holy shit, this is going backwards. Blood seeping into this thing. My own blood is probably filling the pools below me co-mingling with the blood of my compatriots. I start moving over towards this overturned table to see this rat that's just howling. I don't know. what it, is that rat just dead now? Yeah, it's at least on the verge of death, if not dead. What the fuck's going on here? Are you going for a discern realities? Yes. I would like to figure out what's going on here. I'm going to try and discern some realities. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. That's a 10, bro. Woo! And here's what I'm going to ask. What is about to happen? Because I think that's where we're at first. Specifically, you're trying to figure out, like, the blood on the floor and all of that? Yeah, this seems like a ritualistic type of situation. We're trying to figure out, you know, is this guy's regrowing a hand a part of this ritual? You could also lean into that if you wanted to, like, you know. Is the rat going to be okay? (laughs) He's not. Rats. Come on. <laughs> it was right there. I had the to take it. The lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I nibbled at it like a rat. All hail St. Rizzo. <laughs> That's St. Rizzuto for you. Thank you. The way that this pattern is designed here, right, on the floor of this structure, seems to create a focus, a place of power that would have centered on this. You gather that this will basically invigorate the Cyclopolis, the magic herein. What here is not what it appears to be. Hmm. You know my next question. What is your next question? Just If you know what it is, just let me know. 
It's a selfish one. Here, what here is useful or valuable to me? I don't give a shit about. Yeah, that one's easy. So, what here is useful or valuable on the table of tortures instruments, which you could also take, of course. Mm-hmm. There's actually a bunch of healing supplies and potions. Whoa. Let's go. What here is not what it appears to be. How about this? You realize that there was nothing chaining these skeletons flogging themselves. These skeletons in life, which obviously they've continued to do, were voluntarily doing this to feed their blood into this machine. Mm. You can tell where it looks like, you know, on the skeletons where they're sitting and flogging themselves and beating themselves literally into dust. There's like a big trench that would have collected their blood and fed it into this ornate arcane design on the floor. Does that work? Yeah. How full is this arcane design? It's going to take some more blood, for sure. Cool. Do not let any more blood up here. They're trying to summon something or power something. I don't know. Urazidi, kill that thing. Lug, what are you doing? How do we keep from blood? <coughs> Getting to my feet. Kill the bone parts. <laughs> but they taste foul and stale. I think I just look you in the face and know that you are not who you... <laughs> purport to be <laughs> just no i got the read on you now <laughs> no dr necessary what help him kill it a smirk very well and i heft this studded club up onto one shoulder and closing the gap depending we're gonna take a big old swing yeah i love it give me a hack and slash i wish i could really make conquest work for this but i don't think it's gonna work here Hell yeah. Box cars. How long has that been? You gonna put yourself on a spot? Absolutely. That is 13 damage. Good lord. It ignores armor. Yeah, you smash into, you know, you're on the fleshing side of this thing, right? But you smash into its body. However, the stud of the club is specifically designed not to break flesh. And so you smash into it and you just send this dwarf skeleton, half skeleton, whatever this thing is now, this abomination. You just like knock it completely over. But you did put yourself in a spot. I would remind you, this structure is crumbling. I like that, right? You have the forceful, you're putting yourself in a spot. I think that the dwarf smashes into one of these columns and the column begins collapsing down onto this structure. Because of the angle, it's going to smash down right on you, Lug. What do you do? Because of the, we mentioned before, our inability to look at our surroundings before just fighting a whole bunch, I assume there's a path through this area, or is this the terminus of this path? There are bridges that go to either side, or you can go straight down the stairs, which continues on toward the ziggurat. Okay. I'm going to just bolt as quickly as I can toward the ziggurat. That's a sprint. I'm going to give you a defy danger plus strength in that one. That is a 12. You run out from underneath this. This column smashes into the ground here, breaks into pieces, but continues the destruction, basically, that has begun here. A couple more of these columns begin to tumble now that this force has begun moving. What do the other two of you do? This skeleton is pulling itself out of the rubble. Does it have a heart now? Yeah, sure. I have two hold left. I'm going to spend one of them to deal my damage to it. Okay. I'm going to make a big obsidian spike that flies through the air and impales its chest. What did you roll? 10. 
Yeah. I think it emerges, right? And as it pulls itself up, you see these arteries coming through and a heart has formed in its chest and it is like spraying blood all over the place because it doesn't have arteries on the other side. <laughs> and then, yeah, you form this blackened spike of your magical energy and you're going to pierce this heart and destroy it. You can describe it if there's anything else you want to add to that. No, I mean, I just feel that just a lot of blood, you know, normal stuff. A lot of blood, you say? Fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> you done did it now. <laughs> Melio, these columns are coming collapsing down. A few more of them. What do you do? Your friend is apparently staying behind to do some magic stuff. You see maybe this spike piercing the dwarf. The thing is, I want to take this blood uh, away from this ceremonial situation here. I'm trying to figure out a way to do that, but I don't think I can do it with my magic. Did you take ritual? I did. I don't know if I have time for a ritual right now. It's also not a place of power yet. Yeah, it's about to be. I thought JD said it was a place of power. This is a place of power in the sense of it is an arcane circle, essentially. Mm. It hasn't activated the ritual. I'll put it that way. So yes, this is a place of power. In the sense of you can take advantage of a ritual in this space. Well, I would like to draw all the blood into myself. <laughs> yeah, that's the look I want. It's a complicated thing. You're going to try to do a ritual here mm. to draw up the blood. Yeah, into myself. Do you want me to read ritual? Yes, would you please? Just so I have my options. I was looking for it. Yeah, so I would like to draw all this blood into myself. The ritual move reads... When you draw on a place of power to create a magical effect, tell the GM what you're trying to achieve. Draw the blood into myself. Ritual effects are always possible, but the GM will give you one to four of the following conditions. It's going to take days slash weeks slash months. First, you must blank. You'll need help from blank. It will require a lot of money. The best you can do is a lesser version, unreliable and limited. You and your allies will risk danger from blank. You'll have to disenchant blank to do it. So I think because you're doing this quickly, it's going to cost more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So first of all, you're only going to have a lesser or unreliable version of it. Yep. We'll see maybe what that means if it comes up. Yeah. It's going to cost a lot of gold. Oh, my head. By which you mean all of it that you have on you. Yeah. You're going to have to disenchant something that you found within the vulture lands. And you'll be risking danger from the magic in this area as you draw this up into you. The lingering magic that still exists in this place. So I'm going to take the more narratively interesting thing because I think this is just a better choice. I'm going to disenchant the axes because I've been leaning on them too much. Mm. And I think they're also a better way to draw in the blood. What else did you... I uh, disenchant risk danger. Yeah. So risking danger is just like it's going to be a thing that will come up later maybe because yeah. you're kind of taking this into yourself. The disenchantment, yeah. it's a lesser version. Um, that just means that you're not like fully deactivating this, but you are at least like delaying it. That's how I'm kind of reading this. Buying time. Yeah, totally. And then all of your gold is being destroyed. Yeah, totally. Which you probably don't know. Like you're doing this ritual and you're drawing on power and you're just drawing on anything. No, the gold is just going to get evaporated. Yeah. But we've established a definite precious metals and blood. They have a certain balance to them. They're the coins of, they're the coinage of any type of passage or power in our world. This is great. Here's what goes down here, I think. I take out my axes. You see the ink come up through my arms and infuse itself like branches in a tree across these axes. So they're just marked with the ink over that. And as I'm drawing on this place of power, I take down to one knee at two of these small little riverbeds of blood as it flows. And then I just raise them up above my head and smash these axes into these little canals of blood. And you see the ink enliven and dance over top the blood 
as they become little like suckers and feeders. Like if you've ever seen like those water spiders dance on top of lakes, they like make their way out. As the blood just starts being drank up and into my own body. I think the ink was attached up through my arms and up into my face where it was just like at the edges of my mouth going inside the edges of my eyes. As I try and disempower this place over the time as the course of the blood gets absorbed and absorbed to the point where it's less effectual, these axes that were used as medium, they become like petrified as they are the focal point for the energy transfer. I have to force my hands to let go of them. Like my hands had become brined to the hilts of these axes and encrusted there because I was drinking from this powerful magical source and they were being used as the conduit. It was like I was going to become a statue almost. After the ritual is done, I have to like pull my hand off. Probably shreds my hand open at the palm and I just fall. I was already on one knee. I just fall into the ground drinking all of this blood in. As you do this, you're like pulling in on this magical energy and it pulls one of the columns towards you as it begins falling. Totally. It's part of like risking danger. So I'm picturing that your magic is drawing in this place's magic. And so this place is drawn towards you, but you're absorbing this blood. Razidi, you see this column heading towards your collapsed companion. What do you do? Take him to the smoke filled land. Fuck. He only has a uh, one hold left. Yeah, so I can't control where we go. So I choose. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, Rosidi can't, like, catch the column. So, yeah, I think Rosidi rushes forward, puts hands on Melio, says a short prayer to whatever god, and bamps Melio and himself somewhere. I force a change of location. <laughs> I still got this didgeridoo. I think I'm I'm out. See you. Um, no. <laughs> I'm just going to go get high and play this didgeridoo. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking done with you guys. Why did I leave my house anyway? I could have done this at home. You're hanging out with 135 heads on a stick. It's just playing didgeridoo. <laughs> no, that guy fucking is the major buzzkill. But he does have Xbox Live. So, yeah, we go over to his house all the time. He is hilarious on the headset, I just want to say. <laughs> he's a he's a maverick, let me tell you. 138 headsets just talking oh, shit. Oh, look, I'm dead again. And he like spins his little head in space. Anyways, I'm going to die, dude, if I do anything. Because you're all fucked up and like, I, got, I, pro- I probably got to. I would say that you don't have to try to kill it. There is a ritual that we've sort of started mm-hmm. that you could maybe try to piece together. What you, what you thinking here? Oh, the blood ritual. I know that we're really bad at this. You could take a look around. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. 
Man, I'm looking at these basic moves, and it just seems like there's not, I, if I punch things, <laughs> just, I'm gonna die, and there's nothing yeah, else written no. here. I, are you <laughs> telling me it's about hands? Four other pages of basic moves. <laughs> All of them say punch. This one says punch with blade. This one says punch with eyes. And I guess I could punch this with one eyes. This says punch a long way away from me. <laughs> I like punch the game a lot. There, there's definitely a there's definitely a game of punch that. Punch with eyes. Roll I would punch. like to punch, <laughs> punch I would with like memory. to punch What what are you punching with? <laughs> I'm pu- I'm punching with like my my smile. I'm punching with my feelings. I'm gonna punch him with my foot. I'm just punching up. Um all right, all right, all right. Yes. Hold on. Could you read Discern Realities? I don't think we've rolled that in this podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> when you attempt to figure out what's going on with your punchy eyes. Yeah. We really should roll. have, like, if, since everybody just, like, names their podcast after moves from this game, I should have just been Hack and Slash. Yeah, hey, obviously. Welcome to hack obviously. And Slash. <laughs> if a you're wondering what we're going to do. actual play podcast. <laughs> a Dungeon World actually what would have happened actual play podcast. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Were you a bunch of wizards with your noses up each other's ass? No, we were guys with sticks beating the other guys with sticks. The wizards, the wizards that I've played have all actively rolled hack and slash more than cast a spell. <laughs> I think it's hap, yeah. hack and like wrap your arms around their legs and try to trip them, not slash so much. I've never played a wizard with magic missiles. I literally played a fighting mage. Yeah, things. you played yeah. a punch mage. We literally made a fist mage. Like, let's yeah, go. we made the, the elven, muscle mage. The elven punch wizard. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. I would like to figure out what's going on here. I'm going to try and discern some realities. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. That's a 10, bro. Woo! It's like the dice are rewarding me for doing anything, any any style of thinking. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, you, you guys finally thought here. Please, God, <laughs> expand the plot in a way that doesn't involve punching. <laughs> um, shit. Uh, yes, three questions. There's a there's a list in case you forgot. <laughs> Legitimately, how long since we've rolled? It's been a while. I mean. It's because your bar didn't choose these moves for like you guys aren't doing it. It was all on me. Battle mode. So I'm probably like <laughs> got like my arm across my chest, and I'm carrying one of the axes, and I'm just gonna try and like smash one of these skeletons' heads in with my axe. That's right, kids. Go to our merch thatchimera.bigcartel.com, uh, where you can get yourself a Melio action figure now with battle mode. <laughs> <laughs> and you, while you're there, you can pick up a battle mode Alamode T-shirt. <laughs> it's, it's such a good bad toy because you cock the arm back. Right, and you flick the switch, and it has the axe like, battle mode. <laughs> battle mode. <laughs> or it's like when they sold the like battle scarred Gundams. No, my favorite was oh, the, yeah. uh, the 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 battle scarred Jurassic Park dinosaurs that like you can oh, pull, yeah. their, oh, you can pull my their skin God. off and see their ribs underneath and shit. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm basically one of those. Right, like Melio is one of the battle scarred dinosaurs <laughs> right now. You can see all my ribs and shit. Man, toys when we were kids kicked so much ass. They did. Uh, I, w- I will argue, yeah, 90, 90s toy innovation was pretty kind of dope. Like, there were some really yeah. neat, like, forward-thinking things. I like the joints bending this way. <laughs> some forward-thinking things. What if we showed their bones? <laughs> <laughs> what if we gave the guy wings, even though he didn't have wings? You're going places, Johnson. That was one. <laughs> That's the kind of forward-thinking we need in this Jurassic Park at Mattel. <laughs> 
<laughs> we got nothing to do with the Jeffrey Goldblum action figure. Give, Give him, him wings. fucking wings. <laughs> he flies now. They cut that part out of the movie, so it's not going to make sense for the kids. But guess what kids love? And the wings come out. I wings. Am. I, uh, I've, um, I've become deaf. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the loneliest Hasbro employee. <laughs> Been a good life. <laughs> Just loading the gun. <laughs> God damn it. Last time, Jerry. <laughs> Paint the walls for the team. <laughs> Anyways, Jesus, that got dark fast. I was going to make a fucking Bud Dwyer joke. It's only going to get worse. So let's just move on. <laughs> Where'd you go, skinless man? Is that a Bob Dylan song? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, where'd you go, oh, skinless man? <laughs> <laughs>